Happy March Madness, guys. The big dance has finally kicked off. It's an exciting time. Obviously, up in Green Bay, they never really even had a dance to begin with. But what's up? Welcome into the Fireside Bears YouTube channel. Usaid Koshon, Max Smith. You can follow us on Twitter at Usaid Koshon at Max Smith ESM. Before we get into all the action, guys, make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Rate and review it, too. Give us a thumbs up on this video. And follow Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Max, it's been a couple days compared to the last time we spoke. The Bears have added two more free agents. Allen Robinson's going to Los Angeles, joining, not joining, but cross-turning. I mean, going to be playing against Khalil Mack, obviously. They're going to live in the same city. Maybe they'll be roomies. I don't even know. And then, you know, we got guys like Bilal Nichols, Elijah Wilkinson, Alex Spars, a couple of the Bears' own free agents getting opportunities elsewhere. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, obviously, today is St. Patrick's Day for us reporting. Um, this will be up tomorrow, so it won't be, but I hope you had a fantastic St. Patrick's Day. Uh, yeah, I mean, today is an interesting situation. Um, I mean, at least just for the Chicago Bears. Uh, if there's one thing we've learned thus far, it's to be patient. Ryan Poles is really forcing us to be patient, whereas Ryan Pace was not as patient as a general manager. Uh, like you mentioned, Allen Robinson got a $43 million contract with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, many are speculating whether or not the Chicago Bears could have matched that. That's over three years, by the way. So it's not as large as maybe he was anticipating, but his value most certainly decreased after this year's performance. Um, if he had not taken the franchise tag, he might have gotten a bigger contract, but shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of guys go and we're only seeing a few guys come in, but it's been very strategic as to specifically who's coming in. We're not hearing a lot of rumors about the Bears being really in on a couple of guys that eventually don't sign with us. We don't really hear it until these guys have already been signed, which one tells me that Poles is moving in silence and two being very strategic in who he's picking. So guys like Nicholas Morrow, who didn't even play last year, but had a fantastic explosive 2020, had injury issues with his foot, unfortunately suffered in preseason from the Las Vegas Raiders. This guy is an incredibly fast linebacker. He's basically Roquan Smith. But yeah, I mean, these two actually have like ridiculous skill sets. Like if I would compare Nicholas Morrow, I would say Roquan Smith, just because they're fast sideline to sideline. They have fantastic coverage abilities. Nicholas Morrow is also fantastic at crushing and, and collapsing um, the gaps from, from a blitz free blitz, you know, perspective. Um, he, he's on a one year, $3 million contract, which is a prove it deal uh, because they are taking some risk with his injury. But if he does end up having that bright side, you're looking at a fantastic addition. And then as well in the offensive line, because Ryan Poles kept talking about it. And finally we got it. We got Lucas Patrick over from the green Bay Packers. This one's a bit of a steal because Lucas Patrick was one of the, most favored offensive lineman in uh, Green Bay over the past year or so. Uh, Aaron Rodgers went out and said good things about him. Matt LaFleur said good things about him. Luke Getze said good things about him. Just about everybody's had good things to say about him. And he signed to a two-year for $8 million contract, which is, you know, pretty, pretty good. Not going to lie. Uh, we're looking at him potentially walking into that starting center role. But what's really cool about Patrick is you can move him between the guard and the center. He's just an incredible player, goes to the whistle. You'll find a ton of highlights of him just playing beyond the whistle. Uh, and he's just a total locker room, like, glue guy, as Ryan Poles literally said. He is our glue guy. 
So they're looking for him to bring some leadership to that offensive line. Anchor, possibly at the center. We still have to see how that shakes out. Sam Mustafer was tendered, remember, so he's still on the roster. Uh, but still, we're looking at a, a pretty good addition from the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to start with Lucas Patrick because, like you mentioned, my biggest observation is besides the versatility, anytime you steal someone from the Packers via free agency that Aaron Rodgers absolutely praises, your actions speak louder than your words, and you effectively have pissed Aaron Rodgers off. I'm just saying. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was mad when they cut Randall Cobb, and they literally got Randall Cobb back. It's kind of the same thing here because you really don't hear Aaron Rodgers praising some of these younger offensive linemen on the Packers, more so the older guys. But you look at Lucas Patrick, you kind of hit every nail on the head. The reason the Bears sign him is simply because, number one, you have that familiarity with Luke Getze's scheme. Number two, he's a veteran who was an undrafted free agent who Luke Getze basically saw come up in the league. And you look at the Packers, they've done a great job. And I noted this on the weekly podcast, episode 82, so go check that out. They Green Bay's done a great job just in terms of drafting and developing offensive linemen. It's one of the deepest positional groups on their roster. So it's finally great to see the Bears getting a player that is going to come in and basically, like Ryan Poles mentioned, be the one that brings this unit together. Now, with that said, is this offensive line completely finished? No, there's still a couple additions that need to be made. We saw that the Bears lost Alex Bars, who we'll get to in just a moment. All right. So the signing of Patrick is familiarity and scheme fit. And I'm going to say what I said on Monday in the video where we talked about Larry Ogunjobi and broke that sign down is that the Bears are doing what's right, even though it may not necessarily be popular. And sometimes Doing what's right, even though it isn't popular, is actually better than doing what's popular, even though it may not be right. The popular thing to do would have been to go land a big fish like a Brandon Sheriff and spend all your money because there's just a certain prestige associated with having a star player on the offensive line that the Bears have never really had. But the right thing to do is find someone who fits your scheme. So one of the big actions that we're seeing that's coming out of Chicago is more so scheme fit, scheme fit, and scheme fit is of utmost importance to this coaching staff as well as to Ryan Poles. Now, you break down the Nick Morrow signing. I believe it's like a one-year, $5 million deal, something like that. So it's a relatively cheap deal. Now, the Bears are drafting this deal up, and they're, they drafted this contract up, I should say, in such a way to – go ahead and basically take a one-year gamble. So next year when the Bears have a lot of cap space, then what's going to happen is this, is that they can either ink Morrow to an extension or they can go ahead and basically let Morrow go without any cost. And then that's essentially what this is going to be. Now, there's another Bears free agent that's actually expected to sign with the Bears. That is Equinemius St. Brown, Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network, who is one of the most trusted insiders, despite some controversy about political comments in the past. The guy still has sources, I can tell you that, because he's actually the one who told me two hours before Jadavian Clowney was supposed to be traded that Jadavian Clowney's getting traded to the Seattle Seahawks. This was two or three years ago. But anyways, the point is, is Equinemius St. Brown's another one, okay? Is that the Bears are merely signing this 
wide receiver because of scheme fit and because of his kind of low risk, high upside type thing. You know, the market for Marquez Valdez Scantling has not settled yet. The market for guys like Juju Smith Schuster, you can tell that the longer it drags on, it's still iffy. I still would be happy with Valdez. I'm sorry, I'd be happy with St. Brown, who I loved coming out of Notre Dame four years ago. And I would certainly be happy with Juju Smith-Schuster. But I think overall, Equinemius St. Brown's a compliment to Darnell Mooney. What do you think? Yeah, St. Brown's a guy who can stretch the field. Um, he's fast, right? Uh, he served kind of that wide receiver four position in Green Bay. Um, he kind of sat behind guys like uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantley, uh, of course, Vontae Adams, um, and basically Randall Cobb for the past year. He's, he's kind of the wide receiver three, wide receiver four um, up in Green Bay. He, he, you know, he's had an interesting history. He's had some issues with some drops, uh, specifically in some big time games. Um, but once more, it's not a bad signing. It's, it's a good signing specifically for depth, right? Which we don't have. Um, and you're right. This is a good compliment for Mooney. And um, this literally just broke five minutes ago, people, in case you were wondering where, why we're talking about this. And tomorrow, I'm sure you guys are going to know. But, yeah, we just found out. So this is the live reaction. Look at that. Um, yeah. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, I'd be interested in see what the contract details look like. Does this mean that we're out on some names like Juju? Maybe, maybe not. I'm going to lean maybe towards the negative just because, again, um, Bears have some money to play around with. Yeah, there's a lot of dead cap, but just a reminder, the cap's not really real at the end of the day. Like, let's stop pretending like that this is like a hard debt. They'll figure it out. That's just what they do. Um, if a player really wants to play for the Bears, front office is going to figure it out. But, yeah, it's not a terrible, terrible signing. Um, what I think is really interesting, though, is – that a lot of these Bears guys that have left from the Ryan Pace regime are very quickly finding new homes. And I think that's kind of a testament to maybe the fact that there was talent on this roster. It just wasn't fitting, right? And I think that's something that we should look towards some of these guys, um, like an Alex Bars, like a Tease Tabor who joined Alex Bars um, and going to a team where a bunch of other Bears are going. Tease went down to uh, the Atlanta Falcons, right? which is where Ryan Pace is working now. And a couple of other Bears have been signed. I think Elijah Wilkinson got signed um, by the Falcons as well. Uh, so there's there's a noticeable trend of, of Bears players going to Los Angeles, Chargers and Rams, Las Vegas, and Atlanta. And just mind you that Atlanta's offensive coordinator is former Bears passing game coordinator. And let's look at Brandon Staley, who's out in Los Angeles, he worked with Vic Fangio and the Chicago Bears. So there are connections, right? And these were all under the pace regime. So you're starting to see these, these guys who are under pace start bringing in the players that they were comfortable with. So that tells you that maybe, right, things things were put together pretty well. It just they were missing that final piece. That might have been Matt Nagy. But we have to watch how these guys play out and are successful uh, over the next couple of years as they enter these new roles with these new contracts. That's something that I'm really interested in watching. Yeah, I want to talk about the Allen Robinson deal first because I believe it was somewhere around like three years, $45 million with, I think, $30 million, something like that guaranteed. But I'm happy for Allen Robinson because he finally gets to play with Matt Stafford, who is as sad as it sounds for someone going into his like eighth or ninth season, the best quarterback that he's ever had. But it's also partly... Robinson's fault for choosing Mitch Trubisky over Aaron Rodgers all those years ago. I mean, I understand everyone thought Mitch was the future, but again, you know, when they do the Hall of Fame quarterback, 
that has an offer on the table for you or a team with a Hall of Fame quarterback, you would be stupid to not go ahead and take that offer. But anyways, you know, outside of Allen Robinson, I mean, the Rams get done with the cap space, right? We knew Allen Robinson was going to sign somewhere, but there's something else to be said for all this is that these guys who have been starters for the Bears over the last couple of years, you have Bilal Nichols signing with the Raiders, Alex Bars signing with the Raiders. I want to talk about Nichols first because, well, Nichols and Bars, they're both, one's an offensive lineman, the other's a defensive lineman. But just getting beyond that, you see that Champ Kelly is essentially the assistant general manager in Oakland. I'm sorry, in Las Vegas. So he's got one of the loudest voices in the room. Now, Bars is interesting because... Three years ago, when Alex Bars was coming into the league as an undrafted free agent, he had offers on the table from two teams, the Bears and the New England Patriots. Now, he chose the Bears because at the time, his college offensive line coach, Harry Heinstein, had also been hired by the Bears. Now, what's the significance in this? The reason the Patriots were interested in bars all those years ago is simply because the Patriots love to have those versatile offensive linemen that can pretty much play anywhere. And so Josh McDaniels being the lead dog in Las Vegas. Now, you know, for a fact that they were definitely high on Alex bars. You add that in along with champ Kelly connection. There's a lot that's going on there. You look at Bilal Nichols at Delaware in college. He played as a four, three defensive tackle. The bears didn't see enough from him to really warrant and justify him coming back. And so he lands in Vegas where he's going to be playing four, three nose tackle. Once again, you look at Wilkinson and Tabor, there's something to be said. Tabor first things first can play cornerback and safety. And then also you look at, Elijah Wilkinson, I mean, he can play left tackle or right tackle, but what sticks out to me in Atlanta, because they also just signed former Bears running back Damian Williams, what sticks out to me in Atlanta is this, is that one of the personnel executives there in Ryan Pace is close to Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot. And so, because those guys were together in New Orleans, and those guys have a tight, tight relationship. That basically tells me that Ryan Pace has such a loud voice in the Falcons organization. He's technically like the right-hand man. I personally would not be surprised to see him get another GM interview in a couple of years just because of the way that he does have talent. Now, what is these guys, what are these five, six guys signing around the league and getting picked up basically as the first wave dies down here is that these guys were all talented. Ryan Pace did right by the Bears by building and finding talented players, but ultimately it's the coach who's responsible for putting the product together on the field and the coach didn't do that. And so essentially as a result, right? Yeah. The Bears are starting all over again, but these guys, you know, I mean, Nichols, Bars, they're all going to have a chance to start. Wilkinson, Tabor, Williams are going to be more so just rotational pieces, but there's definitely enough there for a guy like a Wilkinson to start. Yeah, before we head out of here, because unfortunately Bears haven't really done a lot uh, outside of uh, two or three signings here, and then just now as we're recording, um, we're going to discuss the potential uh, signings that we could be bringing in, or at least that are rumored, um, and we'll have to watch where those go, specifically based off of the Deshaun Watson trade. Um, we're looking at uh, Lil Collins out of uh, Dallas Cowboys, who was just released, and... Um, 
And then as well as a few other players that are maybe holding up on, on, on waiting to see where that trade comes out. Um, there's not a lot of rumors connected to Juju, which is kind of weird. Uh, maybe he's looking at where this trade comes out as well. And then as well as a particular tackle uh, out of New Orleans, right? Um, so we're just kind of holding with our hands uh, under our seats, just waiting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. Um, it's looking every day like he's probably going to the Atlanta Falcons um, or the New Orleans Saints. My bet, again, I, I, I like the Falcons here. I don't think they have much money to throw around, a potential recontract. Um, but I just think that there's that hometown connection. Um, and maybe there's more of an opportunity for him to shine there. And there's definitely more of an opportunity for him to build himself up there as kind of a re, redefine who he is um, as an image piece. You know, his icon was uh, Michael Vick, right, growing up. And if there's anyone who is able to leave one team, join another team, and completely rebrand himself as a likable guy again, it was Michael Vick. Like, let's not forget what he did. Um, but same with Deshaun Watson. Let's not forget what he did. But from his perspective, what's the best thing for him? Maybe go back to your, you know, your childhood favorite team and, and compete for a ring, and people are going to remember you fondly instead of the terrible things you may or may not have done. Um, but that's kind of what we're waiting on here, at least for the Bears. Ryan Poles, again, reiterated second and third wave. We're starting to enter that second wave here. A lot of the big name, big contracts have already gone. We're starting to see the contracts stabilize. Market's getting rid of, you know, sitting down as well. Um, but at least for some of the rest of the big names, uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, we're waiting on whether or not Ryan Pace is going to get his second crack around at picking up Deshaun Watson. He didn't the first time. This is an opportunity for him to do it this time. And I, again, I'm not ready for all of the storylines that come out that say Ryan Pace's second shot goes with Deshaun Watson this time instead of Mitchell Trubisky. But as you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. We will. Anyways, you know, when just quick thoughts here as I update our social media talking about the St. Brown signing, cause this is what happens is my phone's always going off and stuff, but you know, the Teron Armstead signing, right? It's going to be something where whatever happens, happens. But then again, you look at this team, and I think, you know, a guy like a Brian Bulaga, for example, who's 33, could be a really good one year stopgap solution. You know, we just, I mean, hell, we just saw Fletcher Cox get released. And I'm not saying the Bears are going to sign Fletcher Cox to play 4 3 defensive tackle, but there's a lot of good vets on the market that certainly would go ahead and make sense for Chicago. So ultimately, when you look at this, you know, I'm not going to say things are looking up for the Bears. Things are certainly starting to take shape in terms of what Ryan Poles is trying to do. Now, that all should really show that, okay, the Bears are know what their floor and ceiling is. But you can also expect the Bears to be competitive in 2022. And that's just... Throwing that out there for all the people who think that 2022 is a complete wash and it's time for 2023. Which, by the way, side note, all the people that are like, oh, the Bears have like $120 million in cap space next year. There's two reasons for that. Number one, you don't have a lot of players under contract. Number two, it's going to be a relatively cheap roster. And number three... Don't think that just because the Bears have 120 something million in cap next offseason that they're going to be big spenders in free agency. Absolutely not. Okay. So, yeah, just hold your horses, be patient, keep watching this. Now, because Max has got corn beef cooking and 
it's March Madness, and I have another meeting to jump into. This is only going to be like 20 minutes, guys. So we're going to get out of here. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Follow myself and Max on Twitter at Max Mithiasem and Adusade Kosho. Comment, like, subscribe, guys, to the YouTube channel. Rate, review us five stars on all podcasting platforms. We're going to get out of this thing. Bear down, y'all. Have a great rest of your day. We'll catch you guys later. See ya. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears YouTube channel. This is Usaid Koshal here. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. We've done a lot of 2022 NFL Draft Prospect interviews. Today, we've got Jordan Tucker from UNC Offensive Tackle. Before we get into all the action, guys, make sure you've subscribed to the YouTube channel. Go ahead and drop a thumbs up on this video as well. Jordan, let's get right into it, man. Thanks for coming on the show. How you doing today? Man, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's it's a it's a great day to be have a great day. You know. Absolutely. You know, I love the energy and enthusiasm that you start off with because I felt like I could just tell as soon as you jumped onto this StreamYard recording, like, all right, Jordan's going to be someone that's super positive. But, you know, I mean, let's talk football because that's what we all love to do. That's what we're here for. I mean, talk about your path to football. Did you kind of always play offensive line growing up or was this a position that you started to play throughout high school? Yeah, so... uh when I first started tackle football, I was about like 10 years old and um, I was automatically on the O-line. I played O-line, D-line, uh, loved both positions, loved offense and defense. But as I uh, kind of grew older, I stopped, I strayed away from defensive line and just started focusing more on offensive line just because I felt like that's what I was best at. But really, ever since I strapped the pads on, I've been an O-lineman. So, I mean... You know, you graduate from high school, and I'm sure you had a handful of offers, but what do you think made UNC the best fit for you in terms of just being able to kind of take your game to another level? Yeah, so I definitely looked at a lot of stuff with UNC. I looked at the academics and the athletics that they held, like, really high at the school. And um, a lot of people say, like, it's not really a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision at North Carolina. So I think that really influenced me along with just like the players and the coaches, like the coaches really wanted me there after my decommitment from uh, Tennessee. I was kind of, it was about halfway into my high school se- uh, senior year. So I was just looking for opportunities and stuff elsewhere. But um, really like when I went on my official visit, uh, I, I had a high school teammate um, who uh, was a freshman up there when I went on my official visit. So, I mean, I really gelled with the whole team. They accepted me and I, I fell in love with the campus. It was just it felt it felt like it could be a new home to me for the next four or five years. All right, so that leads right into my next question. But you arrive at UNC, I believe it's 2018. You know, how do you think over the last three four years you've just continued to grow as a player and as a person at Chapel Hill? Yeah, so I know I know I got a little young face, but I actually I got there in 2017. So I'm a li- I'm definitely an old head when it comes to it, but I I mean over the past three to five years, like the development that I've seen, just not in not only in myself, but like with, within the relationships that I've built, it's just it's all been positive. Like I've I went from 
a two and nine team in 20, 2017 to a team that was looked at in the going to be in the uh, final four, like the top 10, this, this and that. But just like my personal development, I, I've definitely seen myself get, I mean, taller for one, stronger, faster, uh, leaner. And it's just been, I mean, it's its really been a blessing the three to five years that I spent at, uh, or the five years that I spent at Carolina, just because it's all been uphill since I got there. All right. So I have to ask this, you play offensive tackle. I mean, what do you think defines good offensive tackle play? Because I feel like a lot of people get so caught up in just, well, you know, offensive tackles have to be really good pass protectors and run blockers. But I think that anyone that's ever been around football knows Mm -hmm. that it's one of the toughest positions to play. And there's so much more that goes into it than just blocking. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so much that goes into it uh, than other than just blocking. Like you said, it's not really all about just being a great pass blocker, but also like a great communicator. You got to be extremely intelligent to play tackle. Uh, depend, like it really doesn't matter which side nowadays because they got beasts on every edge. So you got to be smart to play left and right. Uh, I think you should be able to play left and right too. And um, yeah, like being, I mean, being a tackle, especially at the collegiate level and, and forward is, it's a huge change. Like you got to be smarter. You got to be fast, strong. You got to be great. You have to have great footwork. You got to be great, great on your feet, light, but light on your feet, but as well, like be heavy when you need to. So, I mean, really you got to, you just got to be an overall athlete playing the tackle position. So, I mean, what do you, you talk about, you know, the game getting faster from high school compared to college compared to high school and now the game's certainly going to get faster as you go to the NFL but what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge going from UNC to the NFL um the biggest challenge I think is honestly uh people aren't really like playing with their I mean people definitely do play with their strength and uh whatnot and like their speed and everything but a lot you're a lot smarter in the NFL like it's 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 a way more intelligent game and I think that's probably going to be the biggest jump just learning how to study a little bit more or, or a lot of it more and just really dive into my playbook, this, this, and that. And also the fact that like, I'm playing against grown, grown, grown men. Like these, there's some people that are 10, 10, 12 years older than me out there. Sorry. I got, a, I, got a brand, I got a brand new puppy. She's, 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 she's barking at leaves falling. It doesn't really matter. She'll bark at anything. Okay. I was going to say, what kind of dog do you have? Uh, she's a she's a pit bull, so she's she's a strong one. She's a strong one, but she's 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 a sweetheart. She she she's all bark but no bite. <laughs> all right, that's awesome. So, I mean, you know, the size, the speed of the game certainly matters. But what do you think is going to be the easiest thing just transitioning to the NFL? The easiest thing I think is just going to be my football IQ. I think it's uh, I think I have like a really high football IQ. I'm very intelligent on the field. I can see a lot of different things. Even playing a tackle, I feel like I can see the entire field and backfield. Just know what, knowing what's going on is a big part of the game, and I think that's that's where a lot of people thrive at, just knowing what to do and how to do it. And I think I do take pride in myself when, I, when I'm out on the field being able to do that. So earlier you kind of talked about how as an offensive tackle you need to be able to play both left and right tackle. I know you've got that experience, but – do you see yourself just being exclusive to only left or right tackle at the next position? Or do you think it's going to be a scenario where you could play either? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely going to be a scenario where I play either as well as playing a, playing a little bit of guard too. Like I think that's kind of the name of the game, especially when it comes to offensive line, it's really just next man up and they only travel so many offensive linemen that they bring in one or two to play all positions if need be. So 
I'm really prepared to play anything I have to to get on the field and just be able to help whatever team that I can. That's that's just kind of who I am. I love playing tackle, but I'm also willing to play. Like, I'm willing to play anywhere, and I feel like I'm versatile, and, like, I have the ability to do that. So do you think, you know, playing both left and right tackle during your college career just really helped you become a smarter player overall? Yes, I def I definitely think so because I played I played left my entire life growing up up until college and then I spent four or five years working at right tackle as well as mixing in some left tackle here and there but like during practices and stuff but I mean just having that ability to say like I did both for a long period of time and like I'm comfortable with both sides I think that really like helps my game helps me improve myself and allows me to adjust when like some others can't. So. Everyone that's ever played a sport, I feel like, has always had a handful of athletes that they aspire to be like growing up. Did wow. you have any players, any offensive linemen that you aspired to be like growing up? Or is there anyone that you currently model your game after that's in the NFL? Yeah, so I think like as a kid, nobody, nobody, like you really don't pay attention to what happens in the trenches. And I think that just comes natural with the game. Everyone likes to see the the touchdowns, the long runs, the the interceptions, this, this, and that. But when I really got into high school and college, I definitely found myself focusing more on offensive linemen on, and modeling myself after their, like, their game. And some of those people that like I love to watch, I watch all the time, is like Trent Williams, honestly the best tackle in the game right now. Um, I watch a lot of Lane Johnson, like when it comes to pass pro, uh, Trent, uh, I said Trent Williams, I'm at, uh, Tyron Smith, people like that. I mean, uh, Bakhtari, like I watched some guards too. Like I've watched Cooper from Carolina before. And I mean, there's just, there's just so many like athletes at the uh, tackle position and like O-line as a whole, like, I mean, you could really get a gist of like everybody, like everything from everybody. So yeah, I definitely model myself after those people. So let's talk relationships because you certainly have built a lot over the, your time at UNC. But, you know, how is your relationship with Sam Howell just improved over the years? And have you guys leaned on each other throughout the pre-draft process at all? I mean, yeah, like Sam, Sam's a real humble dude. He's a real like kept to himself type dude. And I think you can see that in his play. Like he's really like he's really goal oriented and like he's 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 got tunnel vision, but good tunnel vision. And I, I've we lean on each other for the past three years. I've been his right tackle for the past three years. So obviously there's a relationship built there. And um, like him coming in as a freshman, I was the first, I was the right tackle. He's that got to start for him. And like, that's a great, that's a great feeling knowing that I got to block for such an amazing QB. And like, I mean, that kid, he's, he's, he's got everything ahead of him and he knows like, he knows how to keep his head on straight. Like he doesn't really, like he doesn't really like fall crack under pressure and stuff like that. So when it comes to like pre-draft talk, pre-draft talk we haven't really talked much just because like I think we both me and him both know like how we are and that like we're like we're really like locked in and focused and like it's kind of just a matter of putting the work in that's something that was instilled to us at Carolina and like you can you can tell by our play like that's all we did is just put the work in that's awesome yeah I've heard a lot of good things about Sam and every time I watch him on tape I'm like hey that's someone you definitely have to root for but you know, another relationship I think you have is actually with someone here in Chicago. One of your former teammates, Daz Newsome, got drafted to the Bears last year. I mean, have you kept in touch with Daz at all over the last year or so? Has he kind of talked to you about what life is like in the NFL and what it might be like to play in Chicago? Yeah, he did. I'm, she is just barking away. But, yes, I 
Daz, Daz and I definitely like we came in together, so we were both in the 2017 class. But he, he, that man's a character. I love him so much. And yes, we have we've talked we've talked over the past year just about. I mean, not only about football, but about life, like how, how life's different for him and just like how everything's changed, how, how he's feeling up in Chicago, like what – I mean, he's talked to me about like what what they think they need and like I've talked about like what, what I think we need at Carolina still and like how we miss him and how he misses me out there too. Like whenever he scores a touchdown, I'm lifting him up. Like, I mean, that's just the relationship me and Daz have. We're, we're two very goofy people. So we're all, I mean, when it comes down to it, we're always going, we're always going to throw a laugh in there here and then, uh, here and again. But I mean, I love Daz. He, he's a great, he's a phenomenal athlete, fast, fast, one of the fastest people I've ever seen by far. And, but yeah, we've definitely kept in touch and we're, we, we have a really good relationship. I know my initial impression, just getting a chance to watch Daz up close and in person, because there's a difference between watching on TV versus right. watching on you know, a player in person. As I've said, Daz is a really good guy, really tough, pretty receiver too. So he's another one that I'm rooting for. But, you know, I think it's interesting because everyone, they reach a certain point in their life, especially now when you're in your early 20s and you kind of take a step back and you realize, you reflect and say, okay, there were certain things that I wish I had done, certain things I hadn't done. You know, everyone, it's not necessarily regretting, but everyone kind of takes the time to self-reflect. So is there any advice you would give to your younger self looking where you're at right now? Yeah, I would um, look and look and if I was able to look back and tell my younger self something like that would help me in football and the position I'm in today is definitely just fo- lock in on nutrition Cause that's, I mean, it's more than half of the game. Like going out there is one thing, but taking your body, taking care of your body for the rest of the rest of the time after that, it's a whole different, it's a whole different beast. And I think those who do it, like, are the ones who are playing like twenty. I mean, Tom Brady, like LeBron, like they're all playing past what people like would consider a great, like a good, great career. And I think it's because they take care of their bodies. They they put in the work with their bodies. They put money into their bodies. And I think that's what's, that's probably the biggest thing that I would tell myself is just really, really focus on you and like focus on your body, not just the game of football, but taking care of yourself as well as always. I mean, there's, there's always room for development. Like, especially like younger me when it came to freshman and sophomore or redshirt freshman and fresh uh, freshman and redshirt freshman year at Carolina, when it came to like, confusion within like my development and like why am I not on the field or like why am I not getting this many reps in practice or this this and that I think development's just I mean it's a part of everybody's life some people are able to just walk out there and be the best on the field no matter the level but a lot of for like for for mostly everybody you kind of just got to develop and it's a huge part of the game along with taking care of your body so taking care of your body is something I've heard from a lot of just athletes in general but you know how do you think like like what's your daily like training regimen? What are you doing right now? You know, how do you go about like eating and stuff on a daily basis to make sure that, you know, you're refreshed, fueled up, ready to go for every single day? Yeah, definitely. So basically for my regimen, I'm pretty much working Monday through Saturday from about uh nine to usually around like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, which is I mean, it, my trainers do a fantastic job of keeping us healthy and like spreading out the time. So like we get a little break, we get breaks in between each session. I'm doing a, I start out with weights, start out in the weight room. So I get a lift in. And then after that, I'll get some skills work, working on my craft and stuff like that. And then after that, I'm pretty much just 
after that, go out for like an hour lunch, whatever, and then come back and work on combine drills, work on combine stuff as far as like 40, 5, 10, 5, um, just drills that a lineman might be thrown at, like just stuff like that. So that's pretty much what I'm doing every day. So what's your favorite thing to have for a lunch then? Because I know you can't uh, – I'm like I'm terrible when it comes to lunch because I will just go out and eat whatever because, I mean, obviously I'm not a professional athlete. But, you know, what's your favorite thing for, to have for lunch knowing that, you know, you got to be able to take care of your body? Oh, yeah. So I'm uh, – I forgot to mention I'm on meal plans right now, which have definitely been helping me, like, just feel better about myself and feel better in my own body. And um, so – the fa- like if I have to say my favorite thing to eat from the meal prep, it's uh they've got some they've got some like braised beef with some noodles and like it's 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 good. Like uh, I I'm not one to meal plan, but I definitely have enjoyed the meal plans that I've been given and like the like what it's made me feel like in my in my body and it's just it's helping in every way. So that's that's probably the that's probably the best thing is some braised beef and noodles. What about on cheat days? Do you have any of those sometimes or do you sneak a meal or two in? If 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 I have a cheat day and that's if I have a cheat day, I'm either I'm either going to Chipotle or I'm going to I'm going to get some wings. That's I'll, yeah, I'm probably going to get some wings, some lemon peppers, some barbecue, just just kind of enjoy it a little bit if if I have a cheat day. Yeah, see, wings are my absolute favorite along with pizzas and burgers. But, you know, getting back to the football talk here, I mean, scheme is such a big thing at the next level, right? So do you see yourself being scheme versatile or do you think you would excel in a certain type of scheme? Oh, I'm definitely scheme versatile. I think um, ever since high school, like, I've been able to adapt to whatever scheme has been thrown at me. I think I'm a versatile player. Like I just, I'm able to adapt quickly, learn, new, learn new techniques that are going to allow me to do this and this type of scheme. And I think that's just kind of who I am. I've, I've really put thought into like how I play and just what I do. So I think there's not really one set scheme that I fit in more than others. I think I can adapt to anything really. All right. So what do you think is your biggest strength and then a weakness that you feel like you have to improve on? So I would, like I like I mentioned before, my biggest strength, and I think that's one of the biggest strengths in the league now, is just my football IQ. Just really, really seeing the field, knowing what to do, as well as being a dominant run blocker. I think I'm very effective in that, and being six seven, uh, about three hundred and thirty pounds, just light on my feet, good with my hands. Like I think I'm a very dominant run blocker. Uh, something that I would say I'm weakest at is probably my bend. Like I think I, I, I mean, you can always bend better at tackle. You can always bend better at offensive line. I think there's there's no really stopping that, like, especially with the edge rushers that are coming off today, like you're going to be able, you're going to have to be able to bend as well as be as fast. So I think really just working on that, working on my flexibility a little bit more, and then just bringing a dominant punch is those are the things that I'm working on right now. All right. So let's go ahead and talk the ACC. Who is your most favorite team to play in the ACC? My favorite team to play was probably who. Uh, I would. Uh, it's it's up between uh, Miami and NC State. Those are probably my favorite two teams to, teams to play every year. Those are the big like circle on the calendar, whatever. Like I, I, I felt not not that I felt like played like a different person, but like when when I when the when it was those two's week to come up, I know I came with a different edge. So, how about your least favorite team to play then? I mean.
be there. There really is no least favorite team. I I can say my least favorite loss, and that was like I mean it was probably Georgia Tech. If we're if we're being like if that's that's probably my least favorite team to play, just because that's the home team. Like it's not the home team, but it is a home team because uh, being from Georgia, so. Coming back home, I got to hear, why'd you lose to Tech, this, this, and that, stuff like that. So that's probably my least favorite team to play, least favorite team to play is Georgia Tech, yeah. So I got to ask you, I believe you guys played Notre Dame a couple times, right? What's it like in those UNC Notre Dame games? Because I think that the hype for those types of college rivalry games is just so fun. I mean, living here in Chicago, We've got a lot of Notre Dame fans. I mean, I personally am not a Notre Dame fan myself, so I'm like a football fan overall, not necessarily a specific team. But, yeah, what's it like playing Notre Dame? I mean, like growing up as a kid, you hear everything about Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's always been relevant. They've always been uh, like top-class football team. So given the opportunity to play them twice in back-to-back years, it's just – I mean, it's been a blessing just because like the athletes and – like the stuff that they put on tape is is real. Like they're they're a great football team, great program, and I I would have loved to play them every single year. I I think I think North Carolina should play them every single year just because like we're trying to be one of those top programs, and they have been like classified as one of those top programs in history. And I really I really love playing them. Like I mean, and and it wasn't even like a rivalry. Like their players are top top class people. Like people that I love playing against. Like there's no like serious jawing back and forth or anything or nobody's trying to hurt each other like they're really they're really out there just to prove their skills just as much as we are and I I mean I really did enjoy playing Notre Dame twice so let's get back to kind of questions regarding relationships but has there been a coach throughout your high school or college career could even be someone from both high school and college that just had a lasting impact on you yeah my 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 current trainer now Vince Vance he uh he played at he played at uh, Georgia uh, not a while back ago, and he's he's been in my life for about eight years now, just training me ever since my sophomore year of high school. And I mean, that's I mean, he's my big brother, he's my mentor, and like, I mean, I've I've had like I've been asked opportunities to like co- train other places or find that same thing in him with somebody else. But I mean, there's there, I'm not leaving that. Like the relationship I built built with him is just it, it goes beyond football. Yeah, I feel like, you know, one of the things with things like trainers and coaches is that you could go anywhere else and learn how to train or get the right training. But that relationship piece is what makes the biggest difference for so many people. Now, I have to ask you, what do you think is the most memorable moment of your college career? Most memorable moment? Um, either. Yeah, I've got I've got two. either. And one one's a loss. Um, when we took, when we took Clemson down to the wire and I believe it was 2019, we took Clemson down to the wire, went for two, didn't get the two point conversion, uh, tried to get the onside. They got it, ran out the clock. That was a memorable moment. Um, just because, I mean, it was kind of like that. It felt like us as a team, we took that next stepping stone to like say that, yeah, we can compete with the number one team in the country. And, um, that was a that was memorable, and then the biggest one is definitely Miami last year, where um, both our backs ran for I think both of them ran for three hundred, or it was it was either both of them ran for three hundred or both of them ran for like two hundred and some change or whatever. But I mean that was just a field day, like that was a field day for all of us Tar Heels. Like we just putting up sixty two points on the road uh, versus a hostile crowd versus a team that's known to be 
pride themselves upon defense and stuff like that. That was definitely memorable. Just seeing the just seeing the team, just seeing the guys explode after every play. Like, I mean, it was awesome. All right. So you brought up Michael Carter and Javante Williams. I have to ask you, what is it like as an offensive lineman in terms of being able to do your job knowing you've got that dynamic electric one-two punch behind you? Re- Boy, do I tell you, it is relieving. Like, because not only that, but we got Sam back there too, who can get out if he needs to, who can run for 30, 40 if he needs to, and outrun Juke and outrun DBs if he needs to. Like, just having those three monsters back there. I mean, it really puts your mind at ease as an O-lineman because you know they're going to make you right. Make you right. Like, as offensive linemen, we're supposed to block for them to make us right. But, like, just with those three, I knew that they were going to make us right in anything that they did. Really, when Javante touched the ball, I knew it was a first down. When Mike touched the ball, I knew somebody's, somebody was going to fall. When Sam touched – I mean, Sam touches the ball every play, so you don't know what could happen. Like, that's that's really what I thought every single play. That's an awesome mindset. Hopefully you're playing with them in the NFL too on the same team. Last one for you here before we get you out. I mean, what do you do outside of football? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty cool, relaxed guy. Like I, I play the, I play the PlayStation a lot. Uh, My teammates and I, we run the game. Uh, I'm a big binger. I binge watch YouTube for countless hours till the sun goes down until it comes back up. Like I'm on YouTube more than I know anything. And then also I'm a very big anime watcher. I, I watch all types of anime, all of them. Like, that's that's really all I do is just watch anime, play the game. And then, I mean, I like listening to music. So every now and again, I'll just go on a little drive by myself. I'm sure plenty of people do it. But I'll just – I like to be in my own, like, my own presence. I like to be in control of my own stuff. So when I get in the car and I per- turn on the music, like, I'm just – I'm relaxed. And that's kind of just what I do. So what's the one song you're listening to right now you can't get enough of? Uh, I've been listening to a lot, a lot of Gunna and Nardo Wick. So I'm going to say it's called Wicked Freestyle by Nardo Wick. That's 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 I mean, I've, everything, every single time I hop in the car, I'm playing it. See, I've been listening to a lot of Gunner too. I can't get enough of Pushing Peace. That song's just constantly in my head. I don't know what it is, but the vibe of that song seems to go with pretty much whatever I'm doing. Like, I'll be driving somewhere, that'll come on, and, you know, boom, like the volume's going to go up and I'll be in my own world. But before we get you out of here, where can people follow you on social media? Just keep up with your work. Yeah, so uh, follow me on social media. Instagram is Jordan T. Tucker, so it's two T's in the middle. And then Twitter, I'm pretty sure it's just Jordan Tucker74. Those are those are my two socials. That's where you can find me. All right, guys. So go ahead and follow Jordan. Jordan, thanks so much for being on the show. You're welcome back on here at any time. Doesn't matter whatever <laughs> team you play for. All right. Let me know if you need anything. We'd be happy to help in any way we can. But we're gonna get you out of here. Have a great rest of your day, man. Yep. Appreciate you having me. If you ever want to talk ball, just hit me. Absolutely. You got my phone number now, so text me if you need anything, bud. Yeah, appreciate you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.
All right, guys. So you know who that was. That was Jordan Tucker, offensive tackle from UNC. Before we get out of here, guys, make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Make sure you're going ahead and following me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Kocho. These prospect preview interviews, guys, we're going to keep them rolling. We've got Michael Maeti, center from Mizzou, that just went up. We've got Trayvon Bradford, wide receiver from Oregon. We've got defensive lineman Takarius Tisdale from Ole Miss as well. So we've really got a number of these that are just up, guys. So make sure you're checking that out make sure you've liked commented subscribed to the youtube channel give this video a thumbs up check out our weekly show too but we're gonna get out of this thing guys bear down have a great rest of your day and we'll see you guys later